Welcome to another episode of Routes Through Pokemon Adventures. I'm your host, Shaylock. I'm Ruby. And together we are a father-daughter team traveling through the Pokemon series of games, anime, and the Pokemon Adventures manga. This is another week of our side adventures away from the video game series and this will be a heavy manga episode as we go through a lot of chapters on a little side story with uh, red and blue where they finally get to hop into saffron city and then we'll cover a few episodes that are just kind of a offshoot for the anime too as we slowly make our way to the final gym in viridian city we are on the road to viridian city <laughs> what? It's one of the songs they play on Pikachu's jukebox at the end of the episodes. Huh. We're on the road to Viridian City. Because Viridian really? City is the... It's off the offshoot of Viridian City that you get to the Victory Road to get to the 84. So. Huh. Anyway. So, uh, today we will be talking about Manga Volume 2, Chapter 27, Calling Kadabra. And then Volume 3, Chapters 28, 29, 30, 31, 32... And 33, which are Peace of Mime, Go for Golbat, Zap Zap Zapdos, The Art of Articuno, A Little Kadabra Will Do It, and The Winged Legends. And then we will be also covering episodes 60, 61, and 62, as are indicated by certain lists, <laughs> um, which are Beach Blanket Blastoise, The Misty Mermaid, and Cliff Fairy Tales. Fable, fable, fable. <laughs> uh, before we jump all into that, I don't think there's a whole lot to catch up on in our own things. We have been slacking on some of our Scarlet and Violet playthroughs and stuff as we've been involved in other things and trying to catch up on things we'd like to watch, like Loki and some Smallville. <laughs> I love schoolwork to do, too. Yeah, a lot of schoolwork. So yeah, there's not a whole lot to catch up on in our Pokemon stories, so doing some Pokemon Go still. It's the holiday season, so catching some Satoddle that's been out there and doing some timed researches and stuff. Satoddle? Yeah, I don't think it was in the game yet, but it is now. What's a Satoddle? It's a big old ice-looking thing. I don't know. Well, snow-looking thing, I guess. It's very smooth, so. So that's been fun, but uh, that's all I really got there. I'm trying to think. Oh, there's another episode of um, Paldean Winds out, too, but we haven't watched it yet, so. Yeah. I think it's the last episode. We'll have to watch that soon, because... Flame keeps asking when there will be another one, so. Yeah. Um, he likes those. I like them too, but. I like them if you could keep up with where they're at. I can keep up with where they're at. The first one was all over the place. Mm-hmm. You could keep up, like. I did keep up, so yes, I can. It was very confusing. For you. Well, they show you, like, one seed, like, it looked like there was just going to be a few seeds, and then they go to the actual show, but, like. It's like so confusing. <laughs> it's just an out of order episode. That's all. Like we get glimpses of different time frames. It wasn't yeah, that and bad. then you don't realize what the heck is going on. It doesn't make sense. It did make sense though. The second one, if you're paying close attention, might get a little confusing, but it, it's it's pretty good. If you're paying close attention to the first one, you know what's going on. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Except that I did. Just because you can't do it doesn't mean that it's actually that hard. It was hard. Alright, so we'll start off with chapter 27, Calling Kadabra. We start off with Green, trying to get into Saffron City, but is stopped by a guard that declares no unauthorized personnel is allowed. So it's just kind of like the games, right? Where we can't get to Saffron City for a good chunk of the game because it's always blocked? Yeah. Although in this, they don't use water or tea or something to be able to finally get through. <laughs> um, so then Blue is actually met with the same comments but from the southern entrance, so he's at a different entrance, because there's four entrances into Saffron, remember that, in the game? I think so. So, so just for reminder, so Cerulean City is the second city with the gym that we get to fight, the second gym city we get to fight in, because it's technically the third city we meet with a gym, but in the game. But then we go through, an, we can't go south, so we have to go through an underground path where people drop things, and then we're in Vermilion City. And then later on, we go back up to Cerulean, and then we take a different route and the rock tunnel, which we love uh, to get to. I don't think I liked any of the tunnels. Yeah, the rock tunnel, we hated it. That's what was the oh. joke. Oh. 
We've been joking about this forever. Anyway, <laughs> the rock that was where Onyx was that you couldn't catch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and we end up in Lavender Town. And then from Lavender Town, we have to go to the west, but we get blocked again. So then we have to go through another underground tunnel that goes basically right to left instead of up to down or whatever. And then we end up in Celadon City, where with the grass gym and the Team Rocket headquarters and all that. And that's where we can finally actually first buy the drink, so we can go to Saffron City, but we can't do anything there right away anyway. That opens up the stuff. But basically, that's just it, right? So, like, we kept coming from different sides. North, south, east, west of Saffron City, but we couldn't get in because there was a blockage every single way. But there's actually ways to get to Saffron City from all those different locations. If... Just fly. <laughs> if you could just fly. <laughs> you have to be there first to fly anywhere there in the game, though. Boo doesn't. He just flies. Yeah, he does fly, but does he get in? So, first, before he flies... Oh, well, I guess that's not true. When he flies, he pops out Charizard and flies, right? Because obviously his Charizard knows fly. And he sees Green floating up in the sky with him, and she's using her Jigglypuff to fly. Jigglypuff. That's not right. Jigglypuff to fly. Jigglypuff. <laughs> our favorite... One of our favorite anime characters. <laughs> I like a Jigglypuff. Yep. And I don't know if you can teach Jigglypuff fly in the game. I haven't tried, but... I'm not sure if that's actually available. But, nonetheless, Green has somehow taught Jigglypuff fly. Or maybe they learn it themselves. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think you learn HMs by yourself. But then she just goes, big, cute guy in sight. Yeah, she's all excited about the how cute Blue is. Um, but then, she does try to like warn him, but he ignores her and flies Charizard right into an invisible barrier over Saffron City. And Green tells him it's being put there by a psychic Pokemon. So he tries burning it up with Charizard, but nothing. So then Green offers to team up with him, but he ignores her again. Very aloof Green, or Blue is. <laughs> well, he's Green in Japan, because Green is Blue in Japan. but Not the colors, but the characters. <laughs> so, they, so yeah, he ignores her again and flies off to Pallet Town, because he's sure that his grandpa, Professor Oak, will know something that could help. Meanwhile, we catch back up with Red, who's on his Gyarados... And surf. Well, Misty's well, yeah, it's his currently. <laughs> Surfing on the last sea route back to Pallet Town. As he runs through town, he notices that no one seems to be around. And it's like the middle of the day, so it seems kind of weird. So he goes to Professor Oak's lab and starts chatting with Professor Oak, who looks kind of menacing, strangely. And then the professor attacks. I don't think he even speaks at all, does he? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, Red was like talking a bunch like oh well yeah because it's red he just keeps on talking it's like your brother <laughs> just uh -huh. like Flame. so yeah he's talking and then professor x attacks him so ivy so did you just say professor x i probably did so professor oak attacks him and ivy wraps him up but he breaks through the vines and is wielding a pipe and then he uses a Psybeam on Ivysaur, and Red realizes that it must be a psychic Pokemon, and not Professor Oak at all. Turns out, it's Kadabra. And then Sabrina appears, and tells Red that if he wants to save Professor Oak and the other citizens of Pallet Town, that he'll need to go to Saffron City. He tried to hurt her, but she wasn't really there, just a projection. Then Blue arrives on Charizard. He shows Red an aerial photo he took of Saffron and explains the barrier. The photo shows that it is taken over by Team Rocket, just like it is for us when we get there later in the game. Or earlier in the oh, game, yeah. technically. They're doing it later in the story. He tells Red that the final battle between their two forces is about to happen there. And that would be the end of Volume 2. And I think I already noted last time, but we learn in the back few pages that White... Like, what happened to Eevee in the party? Like, what? It's explaining how he could have Aerodactyl. Basically, Eevee's not at his party anymore because it got sent back when he got Aerodactyl. Oh, look at it. It's greed with her Squirtle that she stole. <laughs> yeah. So then we're on Chapter 28 in Volume 3. So the first chapter of Volume 3, technically. Yeah. Um, and it's called Peace of Mime. And peace as in, like, peace, man, like, tranquility. Like, live kindly with one another. Oh, yeah, like a piece of pie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Red and Blue are in Pallet Town, and Red finds out that Eevee has been stolen, which is why I brought Eevee up again. Uh, as it was in Oak's lab, but Blue's Pokemon haven't been touched. So they specifically targeted Eevee. They didn't just take every Pokemon. Oh, no. Blue blames Red for what happened to Pallet because he's always trying to protect everyone. Blue is sure that... 
Blue is sure this is the final showdown. So both head to Saffron City, Blue on Charizard, Red carried by Aerodactyl. They can't find a way through the barrier above or below. So each of their so each on their own, they try to figure out what to do. So they're not working together, they're just trying to figure out on their own how to get in. Blue has Gold Duck mentally connect to his Pokedex, which is a cool concept that I didn't know was going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. So we get a screenshot of Saffron City from the video game. <laughs> like a video game version screen- screenshot on his oh, Pokedex yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's um, go. Yep. Let's uh, talk to the other side and everything. That's hilarious. Yeah. So uh, Pokedex by Golduck and is pointing out where and who the enemy is. But Blue can't figure out how to get in. Meanwhile, Red is sure Blue already figured out something, and so he's trying to beat Blue, and he gets Pikachu to use a move called Substitute, which apparently creates an energy clone that can go right through the barrier. Meanwhile, Green is hanging out with her Jigglypuff and tells them they could get through if they would just work together, but apart, all they can do is keep score. (laughs) I think she even says, like, what do they think this is, a video game? So Red and Blue work together, sending Pikachu to chase down Mr. Mime, because... Blue knows where the thing is because of Gold Duck, and Red has the way to get inside. Um, and so this substitute Pikachu uses Thunderbolt on him and shuts down the barrier. Green is pleased with herself for having them do all the work so she can get in to accomplish what mysterious purpose she has in mind. And then we go to chapter 29, Go for Golbat. Red and Blue are hunting down Team Rocket, and Blue directs them to where Mr. Mime was standing originally, the Sylph Company building. They both enter, and a trapdoor opens, taking Red away to face Lieutenant Surge. Blue tries to catch him, but a ninja star hits right by his foot, stopping him from doing so. And he gets to face Koga. The evil gym leaders are the the evil gym leader Koga wears an wears an Ekans on his arm and a Grimer on his shoulders, which seems very interesting. The Grimer pops off and starts covering Blue. Meanwhile, Red is trapped in an arena made up of an electric barrier or made up of electric barriers, and Lieutenant Surge is there wearing magnetons on each shoulder and a bunch of electrodes and at least one volt orb on a bandolier. Why just the one volt orb? I don't know. I just know I was like looking at it very closely. I'm like, oh, oh, there, because I immediately thought, oh, hey, volt orbs, but they were like opposite colors. So I'm like, oh, those, those are electrodes. Oh, but there is a volt orb in there. There's like. Four? If you look at this picture, like if you look at this one, one. Yeah. This one, one, two, oh, three, yeah. four. All right. Cool, cool. Maybe he used up most of his volt orbs. That's why there's only one left. <laughs> I think he uses almost all orbs up here. So I mentioned that they're on a bandolier. Do you know what a bandolier is? Uh-uh. It's those those things that go over the chest and shoulders or whatever that usually like hold bullets oh. or whatever and that holds the volt orbs. I know what those are. Yeah. Like Chewbacca, he is he wears a bandolier. So he's backed up by his Pokemon by his Pokemon, which is a larger electrode and Voltorb, it looks like. So yeah, he's like the electrodes on his belt and stuff and and Voltorbs are smaller than the electrode and Voltorb he has backing him up as well. Um and it looks like he also has an Electabuzz and a Raichu. Uh Lieutenant Surge has the electrodes and Voltorbs on his gun belt feed into some kind of launcher, and he fires one at red, which hit him in to one of the electric barriers. Surge mentions he wants power, so he was willing to sign up with the, with Team Rocket while being a gym leader, and he claims the electric room powers up his Pokemon and the launcher strengthens his electrode. The magnetons work the magnetons on that he's wearing work as an armor with their sonic booms, which is also cool. Like he, he's using Pokemon in a very interesting way, I think. Well, a bad way, but an interesting way. Yeah, I'm not saying it was a good way, but it's very interesting. Red thinks Surge gets electrified but then finds out he has insulated clothing. A couple of magmites grip Red's arms, keeping him pinned, and Surge fires more Voltorbs and Electrodes at Red, who wonders how the Pokemon aren't running out of power. And that's when Surge reveals the generator on his back that is hooked up to Zapdos. Surge tells Red that Blue is likely has, has likely been defeated already as well. Then we go back to Koga and Blue's fight, and... Koga's using the imaging ability of his Golbat magic mirror mouth or whatever. And he's showing Blue that Red is in trouble. Blue tries to reach his Pokeballs, but he can't as he struggles against the Grimer covering him. Koga is leaving Blue the ability to breathe and survive so he can help get Oak to do what Team Rocket wants. He wants Blue to convince Oak to do something. Scyther breaks free. Scyther breaks free from what? 
Oh, well, so, like, Scyther is inside the muck stuff, too, isn't he? Or where is Scyther? It looks like it. So, yeah, he must have had, like, one Pokeball within reach or something. So Scyther pops out or something. I don't know. I think he was in the muck right here. Yeah, I don't remember when Scyther came out or whatever. But he gets free right as, like, Blue says no to Koga about helping. Yeah. Like, being used to help convince Oak. But then Scyther is knocked back. And blue collapses, and we see red continuing his electro- electric torture inside Golbat's mouth. Well, Koga uses razor wind at it, at blue's face, like. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep. Like I mean, death strike. So it would seem. Then we go to chapter thirty. Zap, zap, zapdos. Uh, Green is sneaking around the Sylph Company building and is looking for something. Instead, she hears a gong and goes through a door only to find herself somehow outside in a field somewhere with a more traditional-looking Japanese tower in the distance. Sabrina appears and Green sends Blastoise after her. I just like the mind games of this one because, yeah, like, obviously this is an illusion. (laughs) Yeah. So, and obviously, with Sabrina showing up, we know where the, you know, that she's using her psychic Pokemon, right? So, Kadabra blasts green and her pokeballs scatter then kadabra disables blastoise green grabs a pokeball and throws it and has the real blastoise pop out the other one was a ditto then in the distraction she uses horsey to create a smoke screen and she puts on her own goggles so she can still see so now the illusion that will basically blind green to what's going on around her is now actually being you like now sabrina's the blind one yep and then we go back to Red, uh, who was being killed with electricity. <laughs> um, Pikachu is also looking in pretty rough shape. So Red pulls out Ivysaur, who also gets zapped hard by Zapdos. Surge has a clever line about autumn coming early for Ivysaur. As in, like, because that's when grass and leaves die. Oh no! So I just thought it was a kind of a fun, clever line. Um, still, Ivysaur struggles forward and sends some leaf attacks that don't seem to be doing any good. Surge gets ready to give a decisive blow, and he leaves himself open, which was what Red wanted, and has Ivysaur send some razor leaf action that cuts the cords connected to Zapdos. So now the electricity will flow freely around Surge. The lieutenant laughs about it because he has insulated clothing, remember? Only razor leaf had cut through that, too. Oops. <laughs> and so Lieutenant Surge is electrocuted. Then Red digs out the Thunder Badge, which was adding to the electric power, and he also takes Surge's insulated fingerless gloves to complete Red's outfit of wearing fingerless gloves, because we've seen him depicted that on like the cover and stuff. He rushes in to help Blue. Golbat goes to attack, and Red throws out Polyrath, who gets knocked back into Red. And that's the end of that chapter. Chapter 31. The Art of Articuno. The Grimer takes Red, leaving Blue laying on the ground and unconscious because he had taken the brunt of that razor wind earlier that you mentioned. He's probably dead. Right. And now he's going to take Blue's head off with the... Well, he must not be dead completely because Koga is going to take Blue's head off with Golbat's sharp wings. I guess. But Blue is awake. Pidgeot snaps out of a ball and blows into Koga's gut. It turns out there was a reflective power in the pendant Blue was wearing, and he had gotten it from his grandpa, Professor Oak. So now that pendant that we always see him wearing, it actually has a purpose. Oh, I thought he was supposed to be dead because of what Koga says before we learned about the necklace. Oh. And he says, no, no one could take a razor wind to the heart and still move. Not still move. Okay. So then he played possum until the Grimer got off of him, was what he was doing, um... So then Koga calls in Articuno and thanks Red for Articuno's capture. Because apparently Articuno had exhausted itself protecting Red back on the Seafoam Islands. And the reason Koga could command him so easily is because it is under the power of four badges. So we start to learn that the, ba- the more badges you have, the more ability you have to control strong Pokemon. And that's what... Yeah, so, yeah. so Koga explains that the badges are more than just ornaments or rewards, but they have the power... And the triad, Surge, Sabrina, and Koga, and their exalted leader, they have four badges to control Articuno. Koga shows off his soul badge. Red and Blue try to run, and a wall explodes in front of them. And then the boys are trapped in ice. He was willing to use the boys as underlings, but now they'll just need to freeze to death. These people are out to kill. Yeah, they're not, they're not 
goofy Team Rocket, Jesse and James, by any means. As he walks away, something hits him in the back, and he turns to find Red, Blue, and Pika all free of the ice, and he can't understand it. He's also poor Egon. Was he in ice? Oh, look at that. I didn't even notice. Thank you. And Porygon, apparently. But I don't know what that has to do with anything, but Porygon's there. <laughs> yeah, he gets to launch an attack in a bit. But, uh, yeah, Koga can't figure out how they got free, but it turns out Charizard is outside blazing the building and had melted the ice. So Red, Blue, Red and Blue use Pika and Porygon to use Thunderbolt and Tri-Attack on Koga. Koga collapses and drops the Soul Badge, which Blue picks up. Red complains about the whole building being fired up and being super hot. Uh, they see Oak tied up in Golbat's magic mirror mouth, and then there is a scream that sounded like green. So Blue tosses Red the soul badge before rushing off to find Professor Oak while Red goes to find Green, and Blue says they'll meet up as soon as they can. Now we move on to chapter 32. A little Kadabra will do it. Green finds out that Sabrina isn't just a psychic-type trainer but that Sabrina herself is psychic. This allows Sabrina to see in the pitch black that Horsey created. They are still fighting in that field that's really a hallucination, or, you know, illusion, or whatever you want to call it. Green gets disabled by Kadabra and can't move, but then she starts dissing Sabrina to distract her, <laughs> and then unleashes Jigglypuff and Clefairy. These Pokeballs were supposedly hidden, hidden in a certain area of her dress in the original version of the comic. But the original version of the comic was edited a bit for America so that it didn't look as disturbing for young readers or be upsetting to the parents. So where was it? Well, they're Pokeballs, so they have a certain round shape. <laughs> so they, they just didn't say that it was hidden. They didn't show where, the, which, where they suddenly appeared from, but they were... That they were hidden in a dress. That's a... <laughs> yeah, they oh, changed it up a little bit. And you could even like see how they get a little bigger and rounder. Yeah, yeah, but they cut some. They yeah, they rearranged some things. <laughs> anyway, yeah, if you're really paying attention. You like sure. Well, there's a trick with art too, because panel to panel characters can look a little different, right? So Jiggly and Clefairy sing, causing more distraction and confusing Sabrina, making the hallucination go poof. Then she um, plucks off the marsh badge from Sabrina. Green does. Yeah, Green takes the marsh badge off of Sabrina while she's flipping out and runs away. Because <laughs> she's a thief first and foremost, it seems. Red is running around and says the place is like a maze, and somehow he's now further up in the building than he thought. That's kind Kind of like what ha can happen with the teleporters in the game, right? Because <laughs> we were all over the place. Well, sure, but like... Even if there were no teleporters, That's I would do true. the same thing. That's true. <laughs> so he comes across a room with a circular metal tray resting on a pedestal. There are seven slots shaped like the seven badges. And I say the that way because there's actually eight badges in the game. So the eight badges. But it, there's only seven slots for seven badges. It's only the seven. It's also pretty heavy, apparently, this tray. A couple Team Rocket grunts are outside talking about finding, quote-unquote, them, and so Red ducks down behind the pedestal. We can assume them means, like, red and blue and stuff. Um, Sabrina shows up and dismisses the grunts after asking and getting a negative of seeing an ugly girl. Oh, yeah, so they, so they ask about... She dismisses the grunts after she asks them about seeing an ugly girl run by, and they say they haven't. Sabrina enters the room that Red is in, he thinks she might be looking for the device, and he suspects the badges fit inside of it. What's your first clue? That they're all, all the slots are shaped like them? <laughs> um, uh, and Koga, he, he suspects Koga might have been using the device. Red says he has six badges and, and just needs one more. Two. Oh, that's right. I can't say anything. So he just needs one more, because he has six badges, and there's only seven... Yeah, there's seven slots. I mean, yeah, in the game... There's technically eight badges, so he would need two more badges. Yeah. Um, Sabrina seems to hear him, and so he jumps up and launches Pikachu at her. But Pikachu just stops and sniffs at her and lets Sabrina pet him. Is she using her psychic abilities to manipulate Pikachu? I don't know. But then her face melts off. <laughs> because her face is actually just a ditto. And underneath the disguise is green. She uses that ditto quite well. Then we cut to Blue, who uses Golbat to find Professor Oak and rescue him. Oak explains that the rest of the people from Pallet are in the basement and that they were captured because Pallet people have an 
innate empathy for Pokemon. So Pallet Town people have some special ability to connect with Pokemon. Blue helps Oak limp on out, and he explains that he was captured to replace Blaine, who had been their lead scientist before their Pokemon, oh, before for their Pokemon experience. Wow, I suck at that sentence. All right, so Blue helps Oak limp out of the place, and Oak explains that he was captured to replace Blaine, who we learned was a, was a scientist for Team Rocket before, remember? He's the traitor. But apparently Blaine was the one who was conducting the Pokemon experiments for Team Rocket, and so they got Oak to replace him. But Oak, of course, didn't want to. And he also explains that Blaine had been working on a terrible experiment. Hmm, what could that be? <laughs> Green flaunts the Marsh Badge. Red tries to get it, and instead they reach an agreement. He gives her a Moonstone that she asks for, and she hands over the badge. Green wants the stone in case she meets up with Sabrina again. I'm not sure what that has to do with anything. Um, and then Green explains that the device is Team Rocket's secret weapon that amplifies a Pokemon's power by a lot when all the badges are in. Sabrina shows up, and Red has Green stand back as he can deal with her with the device, now that he has all seven badges. He aims it at Pikachu, and nothing happens. Green takes it when it doesn't work, and then she reveals that she never gave the two badges she stole from him during their first meeting. She had given him fakes. Then she runs off with the device, which is what she wanted. Sabrina brings out Moltres. Green is such a jerk. <laughs> I actually really like Green. She's, I mean, she's a pain in the butt, but she's really clever. <laughs> but that, that's just like... Mm, yeah. Infuriating. Yup. So anyway, Sabrina brings out Moltres and has Kadabra teleport in uh, has Kadabra teleport in Zapdos and Articuno. So all three legendaries are there. Green is out in the hallway and she thinks the device will bring out a new Pokemon. So she inserts the badges and activates it out in the hall, and a glowing orb pops out and flies off. It enters the room with Sabrina, the legendary birds, Red and Pikachu. Out in the streets of Saffron City, Team Rocket is fleeing from the burning building of the Silph Company building, but Brock shows up with Onyx blocking their path. He apparently is guarding the southern gate, and Misty has the north gate, and Erica has the west, and her people from Celadon have the east. Now we go back to where Sabrina is, and the glowing light does something in the room with Sabrina, the birds, and Red. But we don't know what until we get to chapter 33, The Winged... Legends. Hey. It's not good. So the three legendary birds have been merged into one freakish Pokemon monster with three heads. And like six legs? Something, I don't know. Yeah. At least five from what I can see. Green rushes in and she freaks out. The birds use each of their elements. So electricity and fire and Blizzard, ice. thunder, fire spin. Yep. Fire spin. Even though it's not that good. Yeah, well. The bird uses each of their elements, and Red's Eevee is tossed onto the ground in front of him. Eevee is in bad shape. Sabrina explains that they took Eevee right away once it was at Oaks, so that's why it was missing, right? So that it could be the prototype to the experiment that created the legendary monstrosity of the birds. Because what's Eevee's evolutions in those games? They have the same types, except for one's ice, one's water, I guess. But otherwise, they match. But the cards, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. And the cards, it don't matter. So Red tries to use Ivysaur against her, but it's no good. And then Sabrina explains how they knew that they needed all the badges to make this bird thing a possibility. But it wasn't an easy task getting the badges from the other gym leaders, and so they waited for Red and Blue to do it for them. They could have destroyed them whenever they wanted, but didn't because of their use for the badges. And now they will make good use of Pallet Town's unspoiled land and the people's empathy there. Red shouts back, and then Blue shows up through a hole in the wall on his Charizard to help out. Green is laying unconscious with a Pokeball and the Moonstone nearby. Red guesses she needed it for her Pokemon, so he holds the stone up where the ceiling is missing and charges it up by the light of the moon and turns Green's Clefairy into Clefable. Fairy, fairy, fairy. <laughs> Clefable goes crazy on the bird monster. Then the monster uses sky attack and sends red, blue, and green flying along with plenty of rubble. They all fall out of the hole in the wall and plummet toward their doom on the streets below. 
Ivysaur saves them by creating a web net out of its vines. Sabrina sends the birds to attack, but Green rises up and brings out Blastoise to stand alongside Charizard and Ivysaur. Then, when each attacks, Ivysaur evolves into Venusaur! So now all three starters are fully evolved. All of the attacks collide with the bird monster. The building is falling apart. One last attack from the three fully evolved starters breaks the three birds apart, and they all fly off in different directions, free once again. Red sees a familiar face vanish around the corner of the building, grinning. It is the same guy he led through Diglett Cave back in the Magmar chapter. You know, Giovanni. Yeah. Okay. Silph Company collapses. They meet up with the gym leaders, and Oak and everyone is safe. Green vanishes and laments that her plans were for naught, since that new Pokemon was horrid. Blue says he looks forward to meeting Red at the Indigo Plateau, where the final championship would be. And then that's that for our manga this week. So a lot of... It was a very fun chunk of chapters. Nothing that's in the games, but very exciting. It was fun. Got to see all the legendaries. We explained why they were experimenting on Eevee in the first place. So... Now we can move on to the anime. Episode 60, Beach Blanket Blastoise. I think I know that one. So it starts off with Ash and the gang rushing to catch a boat off of Cinnabar Island, but before they can reach it, they collide with a Wartortle. So then Ash brings out Squirtle to figure out what is bothering Wartortle as it's flipping out about stuff. Well, first he tried to use Pikachu, but then yes. Pikachu's like, I don't know. <laughs> and after Squirtle talks with the Wartortle, as the things figured out, Squirtle gets out his cool Squirtle Squad shades. Mostly so that when we see a bunch more Squirtle <laughs> later on, we know which one is Ash's Squirtle. <laughs> At the leader of the Squirtle Squad, because the other Squirtles have different glasses. That's true. The, the sunglasses are a little different. Somehow the gang gets a hold of a boat, and they have their water Pokemon pull it across the water, despite it looking like a motorboat, but whatever. And they get to some other island. Which means, so they were on an island... And they crossed water to get to another island. So we got to assume they're in quite a large body of water, most likely like the ocean. Just just want to make sure you remember this. Why? For later. They're in a big body of water. Really oh. big body of water. <laughs> uh, while they're rushing off to the island, Team Rocket is back in their Gyarados sub and following along beneath the surface. When Ash and them get to the island, they find a bunch of Squirtle and Wartortle asleep in their shells. And Blastoise is on like a little raised rockish platform area also sleeping inside its shell then when ash and squirtle get close to figure out what's going on they suddenly get drowsy and fall asleep as well well like ash listened to the shell or whatever yeah he said something about hearing something familiar so pikachu then ends up waking everybody up with an electric shock and that includes all the rest of the squirtle war turtle and everything and then eventually blastoise also gets up and then he like shows off his cannons not working for some reason and then we see something pink, kind of like bubblegum, stuck inside one of the cannons. And it looks like an ear. Well, first it's just big pink blob, look, look like it's gummed oh, really? up. Yeah. Oh, but then gummed when... up and it looks like gum. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, uh, but then an ear does poke out, or what looks like an ear, like a little pointed thing with that's pink but black on one side or whatever. Brock and Misty are pretty sure they know what's going on right off the bat. But before, the, like, when they say that, Ash is an idiot and keeps talking, and so they can't get everything out yet to warn anybody. And before they can all get away, everyone hears the echoing song inside of the cannon of Jigglypuff. Hey, and they... I was just going to hum, and they have to figure it out. <laughs> and they all fall asleep again. So then Team Rocket uses this opportunity to steal Blastoise. But first, their first plan was to send Meowth over there on a rope. To grab Blastoise. And, of course, when he gets close to Blastoise, he falls asleep. So then they reel him back. Also, how was he going to grab Blastoise? He would just hold on, and then they would reel him back. Well, the little plunger thing they decide to shoot out afterwards that sticks to Blastoise and reel that in seems to work just fine, so I'm sure he'd be able to hang on. Oh. It doesn't make much sense either way. (laughs) Although I still would have done that first instead of sending me out for whatever reason, but whatever. Yeah. So, uh, they get Blastoise back inside the sub. When all the Squirtle and Wartortle realize what's going on, they dive into the water to rescue Blastoise. Jigglypuff, meanwhile inside, causes Team Rocket to fall asleep, and the sub starts to sink. 
But then the Squirtle and Wartortle rescue team rocket along with Blastoise and every and Jigglypuff and all. James is actually grateful that they were rescued, but Jessie's throwing a big old fit about it. Well, yeah, she's like, how dare you? We didn't ask you to rescue us. Like, oh. And then James is like, well, I'm kind of grateful. Right? And then he gets smacked down by Jessie. Yeah, he likes to be alive. Sue him. Yeah, it was just funny. He's like, well, I'm grateful. Yeah. So then... Team Rocket decides to make another attempt anyway, and they drive the sub back onto land, which we've seen them do before. Yeah. But they get blasted away by Squirtle, Wartortle, and Blastoise shooting their water, because Jigglypuff is now outside of the thing, but he Jigglypuff ends up inside the sub. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it gets so Jigglypuff's back in the sub. <laughs> free of Blastoise. Um, and Team Rocket gets shot off into the ocean. So then Squirtle goes back to rescue Jigglypuff again. <laughs> And Team Rocket, blow, like, the, their sub exploded or something. And so they're like, Jigglypuff and Squirtle died. But they show back up. But we don't know what happened to Team, Team Rocket until the end, where they're just, like, stranded in the middle of the sea, hanging on to something. <laughs> no Team Rocket. And that's how that all turns out. Well, I think they were relaxing on the beach even after that. Team Rocket? No. The fashion. Oh, yeah. We, did, we, did, we do catch up back with them, because Jigglypuff sings for them. They all fall asleep. And then Jigglypuff gets mad and draws on all their faces. And... Misty makes some comment about looking like a cartoon character, and Ash is like, oh, like, that would ever happen, when they're obviously all cartoon characters. Stupid joke, but funny. Chapter 61, The Misty Mermaid. So, now remember, I mentioned this whole thing about them crossing a really large body of water after spending a couple of last episodes on an island surrounded by a large body of water. We've seen them stop at fountains many times. And they're nice, decent-sized fountains. And this fountain that they're at now in Viridian City, which is where the next gym is, they have Horsey in a fountain again. A very I, big fountain. Yeah, like, you could do so much that out. But Horsey is acting strangely and seems unwell. And they realized it's because Horsey needs a big body of water to swim in, or a lot of water to swim in. And, like, Misty even mentions, like, hey, we... Like, it's not like I can carry a big aquarium on my back. This fountain is practically the size of, of a decent aquarium for the horsey. And they were just in the ocean! <laughs> <sighs> so anyway, their solution is obviously to take horsey back to Cerulean City Gym, where there's a nice, giant pool. <laughs> Which is bigger than the fountain, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> not bigger than the sea, though. Anyway, so Misty calls her sisters before they head out. The trip must take a bit because, like, for us, it's, like, almost instantaneous, right? But, like, when they get there, the sisters are like, where have you been? And they were already advertising stuff because they had this billboard that they just started. We didn't realize they just came up with it. And Brock it's like, I would like to, to be that lady. Yeah, there's a girl on there. And why do you think one of them I mean, seems to suggest that it looks kind of like Misty if the hair was different? Or maybe it's even Jesse and James it, when they see it. I don't know. I think it was Ash and he even said, like... If you actually look like a girl or something. <laughs> something like that's I think you're right. <laughs> but yeah, Brock finds that misty looking person on the thing pretty. So anyway, they get in there, the girl, the sisters are like, I can't believe it took you so long to get here and of course they're like, What? And they talk about the ballet and we find out that they planned for Misty to star in this ballet. This underwater ballet. And so she gets forced to star into it a star in it and they're manipulative by well, so not like, force. They pressure her into it and then right after they successfully get her, like when they when she finally says yes they're like ha we can always get our little sister to do whatever we want right in front of her if somebody said that to me if they finally pushed me into something and then they said that i'm like and now you ruined it goodbye no because i can still say no yes i said yes but now i'm saying no <laughs> uh-huh. but misty still does it <laughs> And so she's supposed to be, like, the, the star, and then one of her sisters is going to be the saving prince later, because the other two sisters are going to be mean, criminal-type people that are going to trap her. Yep. But things don't go according to plan. And, like, when all the people are lining up and buying money, the one sister goes, I am so happy, and I thought that was going to be the end of it. I'm like, well, maybe she's nicer than the rest, that we got tricked Misty into doing this for us. Yeah, like, tricked her. <laughs> yeah, that's not nice. So anyway, Team Rocket interrupts this per- this performance, and James is dressed in a pink ballerina tutu. <laughs> yeah. But what was funny about this this time is that Jesse says something. I think I don't remember exactly what she says, but James like chimes in. And he's like, 
Yeah, next time we steal men's clothes. Ha <laughs> ha! So apparently he doesn't want... So it's starting to make me think that maybe he doesn't want to be dressing as the female all the time, and Jesse's making him. And I'm wondering why. What's what's going on with Jesse that she wants to keep making poor James dress as a girl? <laughs> like, all the outfits they wear, if they switched... Right? They have clothes that seem fitting for a man, at least to some extent, more so than the pink tutu. <laughs> well, like, Jesse was even wearing, like, the... A tuxedo thing would, like, you could see a girl in that, I guess. But, yeah. Like, make much more sense. To right. Yeah. It seems it seems interesting. So anyway, makes me wonder what's going on in their, uh, in their relationship <laughs> or their partnership. Oh, but she does mention that she designs clothes too, so she actually the one designing most of them. And if that's the case, why is she still doing this to poor James? <laughs> so they had Team Rocket had locked up two of Misty's sisters, the ones that were supposed to be the criminals or whatever, the bandits. And they go after Misty themselves. Ash and Brock see this going on, and so they rush in to save the day and keep the other sister, who was supposed to be the rescuing prince because she didn't know what was going on, to stay out of it. And then Arbok is in the water doing some damage to some of the other Pokemon, like he's doing some good work in there. But then they send Weezing out to also do some stuff, but once he's released, he freaks out and can't breathe in the water. And so then the one sister says that only water Pokemon can battle in water. What about... Arbok, who's been kicking some butt right now. He's a poison type. He is not a water type Pokemon. No, he's a water type just like um, Machamp and Machop and Geodude and Primeape. They're all fighting types. Sure, 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 sure. Geodude. So. (laughs) Anyway, so then the sisters, they send out Misty's Psyduck. And when this water Pokemon jumps into the water... He freaks out and gets back out, unable to battle in the pool for whatever reason. So that just after they said only water Pokemon can do this, while Arbok is kicking butt in there, they send in a water Pokemon who can't do it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, they said only water Pokemon can. They didn't say all. I suppose. So anyway, after a bit, the Arbok is still like getting the upper hand and even has like some of the other Pokemon like cornered or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then Seal gets in there and starts jabbing it with its horn a bunch of times and then uses like aura beam or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, to block up to like beat back Arbok. But then it's not enough quite yet, and then Seal evolves into Dugong Gong. <laughs> and so and then Dugong uses Ice Beam and freezes Arbok, Jesse and James, so they're all encased in ice on the bottom of the pool (laughs) and then that's when they let pikachu do the final stuff by electrifying the entire body of water which blasts team rocket up into their balloon after they had gotten out so that they didn't get hurt yeah everybody else got out of the pool yeah so it was just team rocket that got fried and shot up into their balloon that was sticking through the top of the building and then it shoots off (laughs) Uh and they blast off again but then, after that's all squared away, they decide to let like Misty can go now because their 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 show is now a hit and everybody wants to see it. But it seems kind of weird. Sold out for three months, which seems weird because the show is never going to be the same again. Like it's not like Seal's going to evolve into Dugong every time. Misty won't be there this time. Team Rocket won't be interfering. Ash and Brock won't be there. Harbok probably won't be involved. Like the show that got sold out is not a show that. Like, nobody else is going to see that show again. <laughs> it's fine. But the sisters do convince Misty to leave her Starmie and Horsey behind. Horsey because it just needs to stay near a nice body of water and recover for a while and just be happy. Despite the fact that they've been by so many waters and it should have been happy anyway. But then, yeah, she also has to leave her... They also convince her to leave her Starmie behind. And then Misty tries to leave her Psyduck behind, but they do not want the Psyduck. <laughs> so Misty keeps her star, you and her Psyduck. And she still has a Goldeen, I believe. Goldeen, Goldeen, Goldeen. So then Ash and Co. are back on the path to Viridian City. But before they get there, we have episode 62, Clefairy Tales. Oh, this one. I'll just give you a short little thing about the episode. Clefairy comes, steal things, then go and steal more things. You're missing out the best parts. Anyway. So before... This episode... Oh, so it starts off with Jigglypuff, which... Is a good sign, because if Jigglypuff's around, I love it already. <laughs> so, Oh, and she was singing. Yeah, Jigglypuff was walking down a path, singing by herself, and then as she goes down, we see a Pidgey and a Caterpie drop down onto the path, 
falling asleep. And she notices, so she gets mad and goes and draws on their faces. Yep. But then, a tea kettle hits her head. And remember, she's outside on a path. So where did this come from, right? So she looks... the tea kettles. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So then it... So, but then she looks up, and she sees a UFO flying overhead. And then it crash lands nearby. So she goes to investigate, and a door opens, and there's a ton of Clefairy inside with the front one wearing a flower in its head. Clefairy, Clefairy. Fable, fable, fable. So... Them crashing landing, them it being Clefairy inside of a UFO, it seems that it might confirm that scientist's theory from the Mount Moon episode forever ago, who says that he thinks that the Clefairy actually came from the moon. Maybe they did come from the moon. Which is why moonstones evolved. Maybe their ancestors came from the moon. <laughs> ancestors. Alright, so then, uh, then we cut to Ash and the gang eating ice cream and having some arguments about it. Well, and Togepi gets some too, which is cute. Yeah, Misty was sharing her one ice cream cone with Togepi while Ash was slothering down two double scoops or whatever. <laughs> and Brock might have had a double scoop or something, but Ash or Misty just had one and shared it. Okay. But then Clefairy shows up and Misty wants to catch it. So they all go chasing after the Clefairy, leaving behind their ice cream and their bags. When they get back, everything was stolen the ice cream and the bags. Baba Bia. So they go to find Officer Jenny, and she's dealing with a huge crowd of people complaining about things being stolen, like baby bottles and buttons on the coat and other random things. Candles off of a birthday cake. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yep. So wondering out loud who could be doing it, a weirdo scientist arrives and claims it was aliens. And again, scientist and Clefairy episode talking about aliens. Seems all familiar. Maybe the Clefairy are aliens. So, he has a gadget that can detect aliens, and so he travels with Ash and the gang to find these thieving aliens. And then the thing is going off, and a saucer comes down. A flying saucer drops down in front of them all, and it opens, and two silvery-looking aliens step out, saying, Namakop, 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 which, if you read backwards, is Pokemon. <laughs> so the Namakop. Nomaka. Yep. Pokemon. And then they just, as they say that, they walk up, grab Pikachu from Ash, and go back into their saucer, and then lift off. <laughs> and then Ash is like, hey, wait a second. But inside, they reveal they are Team Rocket. Which what? you guessed, you guessed that when they first showed up in the episode. You're like, oh, I know who those are. <laughs> it's Team Rocket? <laughs> but actually in a rocket this time, sort of. Okay. Flying saucer, rocket, you know. <laughs> Flying saucer. Flying saucer is like these alien things, and a rocket is like. Except that is not even a flying saucer, actually. It's Team Rocket, and they put Pikachu inside a glass container with a light bulb. I don't know why there's a light bulb on it, but there is. Because all it does is show that when he tries to electrify himself out, the glass doesn't conduct the electricity, so he can't break out. But it lights up his light bulb. (laughs) I don't. I don't understand why the light bulb's there. I don't get it, but whatever. (laughs) But. Then we find out that the saucer is just part of a crane that Meowth is operating. And so Ash sends Pidgeotto out to cut the wire. Team Rocket then crashes down, and so their saucer's broken. Uh, Pikachu f- went flying off in his cage, uh, his glass case. And while they're all re- kind of recovering from that incident, a Clefairy shows up. And the alien detector is going off again. And then we see an angry Jigglypuff show up. And the alien detector recognizes Jigglypuff as an alien too. And so then Misty yells at the scientist as he keeps talking about these aliens, and the detector declares that she is a Pokemon as well. Now, there's two problems here. Alien. One, Misty's holding Togepi right in front of her. So wouldn't you just assume it was Togepi and not Misty? Wait, she was holding Togepi? Yes. I didn't notice that. And two, no, she's not an alien. And not all Pokemon are aliens, so shut up, scientist guy. (laughs) Anyway, the device is knocked out of his hand, and it breaks. And then he mentions he'll have to find the comic book where he ordered it from originally. Proving that this device is a joke. <laughs> so dumb. Then Team Rocket, well, first they're all upset. They're like, don't you just hate it when somebody pulls all the attention to them, or away from us, basically. But Basically, they're claiming he wants all the attention while also admitting that they want all the attention. Yeah. I forget what the line is exactly, but it was funny. But they need to go grab Pikachu before, you know, Ash and them go get it. But... Before they can, Clefairy has already grabbed it and is holding it on top of his head as he hops away. I think it's a she. Well, she, whichever. Clefairy. And so Team Rocket chases it down, but it but then the Clefairy uses a barrier move, 
like we saw in Saffron City, kind of, you know, invisible thing. Oh, yeah. And Team Rocket crashes into this invisible barrier, and Glaferi runs away, hops away. So then, Ash, Brock, Misty, the weirdo scientist, and Jigglypuff all are also giving chase of the Clefairy. And so this is the first time we've, like, see that, like, Jigglypuff and them all, like, kind of teamed up and working together since the incident when they first tried to get Jigglypuff to sing. Yeah. <laughs> Although Misty kind of utilized Jigglypuff in the prehistoric Pokemon episode. But most of the time they're trying to avoid Jigglypuff. <laughs> but they all run along together this this time. But then they come to a dead end. But Jigglypuff points to an open manhole and, and like, basically suggesting Clefairy must have escaped through there. And so then Jigglypuff jumps down and everybody else follows. Once they're at the bottom, they see that the Clefairy are building a spaceship and must have been stealing things to build it. Then they see Pikachu is getting carried in, and it's assumed Pikachu is supposed to be their generator. So then Brock leaves to go tell Officer Jenny what they found, and the rest of them board the ship. They find Pikachu hooked into something that fits the glass case. Weird that they had something set up perfectly for that already, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> And then a bunch of Clefairy block the way to the cage when they try to go, like, release Pikachu. Because uh-huh. they're not going to give it back. So, Jigglypuff marches forward and then pounds a Clefairy. And the Clefairy pounds it back, sending Jigglypuff rolling backwards for a bit. So then Jigglypuff marches over again and double slaps the Clefairy a bunch, defeating it. And then the rest charge in and he, or she double slaps the rest of the Clefairy until they're all defeated. <laughs> it, the, uh, that group of Clefairy. Huh. With that taken care of, Jigglypuff goes deeper into the ship and the scientist follows while Ash and Misty try to find a way to free Pikachu and get him to wake up because he's asleep inside for some reason. Yeah. So then Jigglypuff gets to the bridge of the ship. You know what the bridge is? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you knew the term bridge when it comes to like I ships so, and stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's where the where they pilot it and stuff. Okay. Send out the commands and everything. I'm not sure why it's called the bridge, but it is. It's like It's probably a reason for it, but I don't know it. When they get to the bridge, they find the Clefairy with the flower, which seems to be, like, the leader, right? And so Jigglypuff and that Clefairy get into a big old, like, almost like a karate fight. Where they're just constantly back and forth, flipping, kicking, and whatever, except that they're both round balls, so it looks kind of... <laughs> and they're adorable Pokemon, so it just is this weird epic combat between cute puffballs. <laughs> Meanwhile... The crazy scientist guy gets into the seat, like the pilot seat, and is like looking at the controls and trying to figure out what's going on, and is really interested in the joystick, which looks kind of familiar. He breaks it off by accident, and that stops the fight immediately, and Jigglypuff jumps up, grabs the stick, because it is her microphone, which it would explain why Jigglypuff showed up where the Clefairy was earlier looking angry. Because the first time we saw Jigglypuff, the Clefairy just showed up. And throughout the rest of this time when we saw Jigglypuff, we did not see its microphone anymore. Because the Clefairy stole it! And Jigglypuff wanted it back. (laughs) Jigglypuff was bad. (laughs) Yes. So then she sings, and it goes over the comm systems, which puts Team Rocket, who also got into the ship by this point, asleep. Ash and Misty fall asleep. The Clefairy falls asleep. The scientists fall asleep. Everybody's asleep. And Jigglypuff just gets away, then. (laughs) I think it's actually the last we really see of Jigglypuff, right? Did Jigglypuff draw them? I don't think it did. (gasps) It just left. (laughs) I don't actually remember exactly if we see any more Jigglypuff in this episode after that. But Jigglypuff had a really cool story throughout this episode, and I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Before all that happened, they activated the countdown. They had activated... They had activated the countdown to start the the ship going for the generator for Pikachu. There was a countdown before they all fell asleep. So nobody was able to turn it off or anything like that. So as they start coming to, the countdown goes off, which causes Pikachu to wake up because it, like, pokes him or zaps him or something. I don't know what happens. Yeah, and so he wakes up and gives off a big electric shock, which activates the ship, and it launches. Mm -hmm. And it goes right, and, like, it comes out of a secret passage in the street... And it zooms right past, uh... Oh, it does that when Brock is trying to convince Officer Jenny of it, and she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, Yeah, exactly. Sure? Yep, that's what I, I was gonna say, that, but yeah. Oh, no, that's fine. That's good. I, you're right. Um, yeah, so it goes right by them, and it drops most of the items that were stolen, apparently, so I don't know what part of the ship that they're actually doing, because... 
Maybe they were just trying to find a generator, and anything that didn't work, they threw it back. <laughs> Maybe. That's a good explanation. I like it. <laughs> so anyway, there's also some really weird ramped-shaped building in front of them, so that lets them drive upwards for a while and then launch into the air. So now it's flying, and then, like a like a rocket, like we have, the rocket piece kind of, like, breaks off and lets the rest of the, like, UFO part just keep going. And Team Rocket's on the wrong side, so they're going to crash down. Poor Team Rocket. I think that's the end of them for this episode. The rest of them have to jump. Yeah, but they use uh, Bulbasaur to help them get yeah, down with yeah, its vines, yeah, yeah. which is great. Um, Just um, Ash and Misty. Yeah. They, and they found their backpacks. Yeah, because they were in the same room as the Pikachu. Uh-huh. Conveniently. <laughs> and so, yeah, they grab Pikachu because, oh, Pikachu is able to shatter the glass at this point for some reason. And they all escape with the vine whip and onto a sky- nearby skyscraper. So then Ash and Co. are all fine and dandy and back on track with uh, their uh, trying to get to Viridian City. Meanwhile, the UF like we cut to the like an epilogue basically where the UFO crashes again with the cliff area, right? Into an area with a bunch of fishermen and stuff, fishing in a lake. And the doors open, but we don't see Clefairy. We see some weird robot y thing made of cardboard come out. But it's not a robot, it's just the weird scientist with his makeshift spacesuit. <laughs> and he thinks he's on the planet of the Clefairy at first when he's talking to people. <laughs> But then the Clefairy also all pour out, like, little gremlins, basically, and start stealing. Because we hear them, like, hey, where'd my thing go? Hey, that's my thing. So They all just, like, bounced out. It never says whether or not... There's nothing here that proves the Clefairy are aliens. Because the detector doesn't actually detect aliens, obviously. Their ancestors came from the moon? I, I remember they're Clefairy, so they're fairies. Meaning, the fairies are often a mischievous creature in a lot of fairy tales. And this is Clefairy Tales. So it just seems like they're just mischievous Pokemon doing all kinds of antics. I don't think they're from the moon at all. (laughs) But they could be. But, like, we saw a UFO at the beginning. That was probably just another experiment from a different town where they built something and launched off and crashed again. They just keep doing it. (laughs) Now, why do they do that? Are they trying to reach the moon again? Maybe. And are they doing to do that because they actually did come from there or their ancestors did? That could be. It doesn't really say one or the other. You can believe whatever you want at this point in the story. I choose to believe that they're not from the moon. Because <laughs> they're not the only thing that evolved by a moonstone either. And I certainly don't think the Nidorans are from the moon. But maybe all Pokemon are aliens. Maybe the world of Pokemon is on our Earth in a weird future where these creatures came from space. Stop trying to go to Mars. <laughs> Um, Pokemon back with you. And that's it. That is our chapters and episodes. So, before we move on to our next segment, let's ask a couple questions. First off, what was your favorite chapter from the mangas this week? That was all kind of cool. That all kind of merges together, too. So, if you need a couple of them or whatever, like, how about this? What was your favorite fight? Because there were a lot of battles, basically. Ooh. And some of them crossed over a couple chapters. So which I guess one was I it? did think it was really cool with, like, evil but cool when Koga was, like, when they got frozen and then had mm. to be heated up. So, yeah, that was probably your favorite moment? Probably. I think mine is the battle between Green and Sabrina. That's... Because they both use techniques. Like, her, Sabrina's using psychic techniques, while Green is using just clever, mischievous sneaky tactics to accomplish the same kind of ideas and i think green is super clever yes she can be a real pain in the butt but she is really clever and i like that i like clever (laughs) green is i like i like the character green quite a bit and i don't think there's much more to talk about with those so episodes out of the three episodes which one's your favorite clefairy tales clefairy tales (laughs) yeah mine too it could have been Beach Blake at Blastoise, because Jigglypuff's in that too, but Jigglypuff had a really cool role in Clefairy Tales, and I, the whole plot of Clefairy Tales was just fun, and I was laughing a lot because of the stupid humor going on in it. <laughs> but Jigglypuff is just such a favorite of mine. Alright, but besides Jigglypuff, who obviously stole the show in a lot of areas, who was your favorite Pokemon in these episodes? Jigglypuff. I said besides <laughs> Jigglypuff. Well, let's see... I thought Seal's little thing was kind of cool, and Psyduck is usually up there, but I mean, he didn't do too much. Yeah, he just freaked out about the water. Yeah. Maybe Seal? Seal? Yeah. That's actually funny, because I was going to pick Seal, too, because I thought Seal's, like, constant, like, horn attack, basically, over and over again against Arbok was just a cool moment, and then I got to do its evolution. Seal. 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 (laughs) Seal. 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 
So yeah, alright. So Seal stole the show this episode. Alright, well then I think it's time for Pokemon cards. Alright, sniff. What was the background? Alright. Take it away, Ruby. Okay, I'm opening... Okay, here we go. Wait, there was a little stuff. I'm opening Scarlet and Violet Obsidian Flames. My first one's a Shuckle, which is a grass type. The berries stored in its vast-like shell eventually become a thick, pulpy juice. Huh. Bisharp evolves from Ponard. Um, It's steel type. This Pokemon commands a group of several Ponyard groups that are defeated in territorial... Disputes and... Territorial disputes? Yes. Territorial disputes are absorbed by the winning side. You notice that their names are based off chess pieces? Ponyard and Bisharp? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, a Magneton. Oh. from the manga. Yeah. Evolves from Magnemite. Electric type. Three Magnemite are linked by a strong magnetic force. Eriches will occur if you get too close. Earaches. Earaches. Timpole. Water type. Um, it uses sound waves to communicate with others of its kind. People and other Pokemon species can't hear its cries of warning. Frogadier. <gasps> Water type. Its swiftness is unparalleled. Yes, unparalleled. Okay. It can scale a tower of more than 2,000 feet in a minute's Time. Nice. And I'm not looking, letting you look at it. <laughs> Just go take it. Beautiful. Stugfisk, fighting type. For some reason, this Pokemon smiles slightly when it emits a strong electric current from the yellow markings on its body. But it's fighting type. Where's all this electric talk? Salazar. Evolves from Slanted. What are these evolutions? <laughs> Dark type. Salazar. <laughs> Slazzle. Slazzle. Slazzle makes its opponents lightheaded with poisonous gas, then captivates them with alluring movements to turn them into loyal servants. Yay. <laughs> Ooh, my kind of pretty one is um, a Dartix of also Rowlet. Grass type. Ooh, I like Rowlet. That's good. Supremely, supremely sensitive to the presence of others, it can detect opponents standing behind it, flinging its sharp feathers to take them out. If you're hunting owls for some odd reason, don't hunt the dartix. Just, just a hint. <laughs> Grump pig. Oh, does it have extra design too? Ooh, nice. Grump pig evolves from Spoik. I like Spoik better. Psychic type. It can perform odd dance steps to influence foes. Its style of dancing became hugely popular overseas. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna have some people wanted that guy. Oh, you could. I'm glad you took half a second to try to show me. Ooh, I want that one. Well, you'll be first on the list, but I can't promise much. There are some people yep. obsessed with oh, I know. So, Cyclazar? Cyclazar is a whole different Pokemon from. How do you say it? Sizor. <laughs> Sizor. My rare type with a pretty edge. Um, steel. This Pokemon. This Pokemon's pincers, which contain steel, can crush any hard object they get a hold of into bits. A water energy. Perfect for you. Oh, look, you can see his reflection. Oh, that's fun. All right, I have Girafferig, a normal type or colorless or whatever. Though very small, the brain in its tail is still considered an important organ because it emits powerful psychic energy. Great Ball. <laughs> I don't need to read that one, but it's a great ball. Relor. This Pokemon creates a mud ball by mixing sand and dirt with psychic energy. It treasures its mud ball more than its own life. Yay! Yeah. Um, he has some problems. Quaxly! This Pokemon migrated to Paldea from distant lands long ago. The gel secreted by its feathers repels water and grime. Toxicroak evolves from Krogunk. Sway its fighting type. Swaying and dodging the attacks of its foes, it weaves its flexible body in, in close, then lunges out with its poisonous claws. Oranguru, psychic type. 
People used to mistake Oranguru for a human when they saw it issue command after command to the other Pokemon of the forest. Oh, here's another fitting one for what we read today. Electrode! Electric Pokemon. The more energy it charges up, the faster it gets. But this also makes it more likely to explode. Ooh, Phalanx, fighting type. The brass, which is the one that stands at the front and issues orders, is the strongest and smartest of the six. And that was my shinyish looking one. Graphii evolves from Shrudel. The, in just a second. The color of the poisonous saliva depends on what the Pokemon eats. Garafii covers its fingers in its saliva and draws patterns on trees and forests. Garafii. Yeah. Ooh. Mimikyu. And this one's, like, this doesn't have, like, the fancy patterns. It's just shiny. Um, an ability safeguard. Prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks from your opponent's Pokemon EX and Pokemon V. This Pokemon lives in dark places untouched by sunlight. When it appears before humans, it hides itself under a cloth that resembles a Pikachu. Wait, so that's just a cloth over it? Yeah, nobody knows what a Mimikyu actually looks like. And then I got lightning energy. And that's what I got. Cool. Alright, and that is our episode this week. Um, thank you all very much for listening. Um, we will have at least a few more weeks of anime and manga uh next week we will be tackling some manga and anime that finally meet up with the viridian city gym and its leader so that will be exciting stuff for sure um it's actually a really cool episode and both the episode that involves that and the leading and the chapters that lead up to it in the manga will get to finally meet mewtwo um and then right after that chunk of episodes or like that um, episode of anime and manga, we will be diving into the Pokemon movie, the first movie, which is Mewtwo Strikes Back. So that's what's on the docket for the next couple episodes. Um, in the meantime, uh, you can find us at Hunterfield Institute on YouTube, and you can find our podcasts on Spotify, Amazon, and Apple, and I think some others. So yeah, please like, subscribe, comment. Uh, rate, review, whatever. All that stuff. <laughs> but if you actually really want to get a hold of us, you can also email at us email us at hunterfieldmanor at gmail.com and just leave Pokemon or routes through Pokemon or whatever in the subject so that we can find it easier and we'll try to get back to you. So I think that will wrap this up. So we will catch you on the next route. Bye! <laughs>